Hey everybody, welcome back to Letterman Row. This is the Buyer's Auto Practice Report. I am Austin Ward, joined by Tim May and Spencer Holbrook. The Buckeyes are halfway to the weekend and a trip to Maryland. Uh, lots of people talking about this as an intriguing matchup for Ohio State. Uh, maybe the secondary in flux and Maryland starting to throw the football around a little better. Uh, but that wasn't really a huge topic of conversation for the Buckeyes today ahead of practice because Justin Fields, uh, Luke Farrell, Jeremy Ruckert, representing the offense, and then Tough Borland, who had shared some memories from two years ago. The Heisman and that 2018 matchup seemed to dominate the topic of conversation. Tim, what was your uh, main takeaway as the Buckeyes got ready to get back on the practice field today? Main takeaway is that Tough Borland does, in fact, reflect on that 2018 game a little bit because it's not so much what happened there might happen again. It's just like that was clearly a learning moment, uh, you know, when a uh, – when you just miss stepping into a, a trap door, you know, in a house of horrors, you know, yes, you feel great that you escaped, but you also remember how you felt when you almost fell into that door. And uh, I think that kind of like drives him and motivates him, like just like they're reflecting on sort of what went wrong, what went awry in the third quarter last week against Rutgers. They kind of let their guard down a little bit, and uh, you saw what happened. You know, this, this is what we know and they know, uh, boss, I mean, awesome is that, uh, no, excuse me, I only call you that on my podcast, Austin, uh, is that Maryland's got some players. they got some pretty damn good skill players, and they've got a, a quarterback who seems to be gaining confidence by the second. And so they know that, uh, you know, what's coming on Saturday is going to be an aggressive offensive assault. And I think they're, uh, from Tuff's uh, viewpoint, I think they're girding themselves for that. Yeah, I think, and we've heard that, you know, Tuff Borland talked about the importance of, uh, you know, keeping Tagovailoa in the pocket and, and from extending plays outside. And then, you know, Sean Wade, uh, you know, weighed in yesterday before practice and talking about the importance of slowing down Rakim Jarrett. Yeah. Uh, I mean, those, you know, those are two extremely talented players and highly recruited players. They're the best, you know, players on that roster. And you, you stack them up side by side, Spencer, and this is still a matchup that's dramatically in favor of Ohio State. That's why there's a 27 point spread, but you know, you've kind of basically this whole week has narrowed down this one to this one matchup between Tago Bailoa and Rakim Jarrett and, and Ohio State's secondary. Yeah, it's interesting that, that everybody focuses on that because the thing that I keep focusing on is the fact that Maryland's defense hasn't stopped a single person. I mean, like Maryland's defense has looked looked bad through three weeks, and, and I, I give no credit to Penn State's offense because Penn State's offense is bad enough to made, make Maryland's defense look good. But when Minnesota is able to put that many points on Maryland and when Northwestern is able to put that many points on Maryland, I pity what Ohio – I just – I'm trying to figure out what Ohio State's going to do to it. But that's the matchup that I look for. But when, while everybody else is focused on Rakeem Jarrett and, and uh, Tua's brother, Talia, yeah, Talia, uh, I, I think Ohio State's going to be up for this challenge. They've heard about it all week. You know, this is one of those classic matchups where Ohio State gets a little doubted, you know, what, what's going on with – with the defense here and then they just show up and, and the, the offense is supposed to give them a run for their money and it doesn't happen. I feel like that's what we're headed toward, but for now the storylines are good enough to, uh, to keep us satisfied for a while. Yeah. Let's not be misconstrued here either. I, I mean, do I think Ohio state's going to get beat Saturday? No. Do I think that Maryland thinks it's major chance to be in this game and swinging in the fourth quarter is scoring a lot of points? Absolutely. Uh, are they looking at things that Ohio state has given up, especially uh, with guys on the run uh, through their defense, et cetera. Absolutely they are. And uh, Ohio State's looking at the same things 
and trying to keep that from happening, trying to keep a, a freshman, Rakeem Jarrett, from going off on him like he did last week against Penn State. What, every every Maryland scoring play that day was 30 yards or more. I mean, you know, we look back on 2018, that was the true nightmare for that uh, Ohio State defense was just giving up huge play after huge play all through the season. And, you know, we've seen a little bit of, like last week, we saw a little glimpse of that, you know, uh, with Rutgers doing it a couple of times. And, yes, that's a cause for concern for the Ohio State defense. I think I want to make sure that we get it right. This is a five-star player in that offense. I believe it's Rakim. Rakim Jarrett. Name, you know, after Rakim? the Rakim. Uh, Rakim. Nickname oh, I call Rakim. him Rakim. I call him Rakim. I'm sorry. Yeah. I just want okay. to give him the proper credit. I'm <laughs> spending this whole week, you know, Maryland, Mike Loxley, uh, you know, not going to call him Little Tua. I'm going to I'm going to give full props to the competition this week. That's my that's my goal and my new leaf that I'm turning over. Um, yeah, I was going to say, clarify that is your new leaf. Now go yeah. ahead. Um, <laughs> and that's so. You know, maybe maybe I'm enjoying that. Just bright side for uh, for all all opponents. Um, all right, Spencer, <laughs> you talked about this um, with trying to figure out what Ohio State can do against this Maryland defense and uh, Justin Fields. We've, we're not turning over a, a new leaf here talking about uh, how productive and prolific he's been, but even he admitted that those numbers are a little bit crazy, to use his words. 13 touchdowns accounted for against 11 total incompletions through three games. Um, you updated the Heisman Trophy odds for him this morning in Scarlet Sunrise at Letterman Row. He's got to be the favorite, and he can only add to that. Uh, I mean, really, his completion percentages, there should only be one way that can go. At 87%, it's going to be hard to sustain that. But, man, uh, it's it's insane what he's doing. Yeah, it's so shocking when he throws an incompletion. And I think we've said that now for three straight weeks, but it still holds true. When he throws the ball and, and it's incomplete, it's like, whoa, did that actually happen? It, it's mind-blowing how efficient he's been. And it's not that he's explosive. It's not that he's finding Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and whoever he needs to at an incredible clip. It's the efficiency because he could still be doing it throwing 21 of 40 or – you know, 19 of 37, but instead he's doing 21 of 24, 23 of whatever, you know, he's doing it at an almost 90% clip. And the efficiency is just what's so striking because while Ohio state's run offense has been good, it hasn't been efficient. And Justin Fields just makes up for it. Anyways, you talked last week about, they don't care about getting into third and 15, third and 17, because they know they have a player that can, that can bail them out of that. And that goes back to how efficient he is because more times out, more times than not, He's going to complete a pass, whether it's on first and 10 or third and 15. I just think the efficiency is what stands out so much to me. Yeah, and we correct you. They know they have players that can bail them out of that with Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jeremy Ruckert, all these guys. I mean, that's your top three receivers, you know, <laughs> at the moment. And uh, when you consider one's your slot guy, one's your wide, one's your one of your wide outs, uh, and the other's one of your tight ends, uh, that kind of goes hand in hand with the story I'm writing for later this week about just the depth of this Ohio State offense, where it can go. If you try to take this away, it can throw this right at you on the very next play and stuff. And uh, that's what really stands out. And like uh, Ryan Day said, when I asked him about it, you know, having that ridiculous experienced but talented guy, a quarterback is what allows you to go that direction. I think you know, I got an interesting question about that this week, Tim, that also feeds into what you're looking at and that uh, the question was, and I, you know, it's a fair question, but it seemed just kind of silly to look at, which was, is Justin Fields relying too much on Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson? And it's, 
I mean, why wouldn't you? They're two of the best receivers in the country for one, but you know, seven other guys have caught passes, six of them, uh, five or six of them have multiple catches. Even Luke Farrell's got, you know, three and he talked about Ruckert with nine. Like they've got a bunch of guys who could be the third receiver, but they're, those two are at such a high level. And until somebody can stop them, I don't know why you would do anything else, but um, they, that's still only about 58% of the completions for this team. Yeah. It's not as if they're the only weapons Ohio State is using. Yeah. Uh, you, you, just, you just gave me chill blains there uh, because I grew up in the era when it was uh, Ken Stabler to Dennis Holman, you know, when it was uh, Jerry Rome to Howard Twilley, when it was Pat Sullivan to uh, Beasley. Uh, I, hate, I didn't name his first name because I hate Auburn. But uh, but I digress. But <laughs> my point was, I grew up in the in that era when those keystone combinations, you know, third and whatever, second, third, whatever, the other team couldn't stop it, you know, for the most part. And you're seeing that right now. Uh, the thing you have right here is a three-headed monster with Justin Fields, Garrett Wilson, and Chris Olave, and it's it's mind-boggling to me that a few times this year that. Uh, Justin Fields has looked downfield and apparently not seen somebody open, you know, and that has happened a few times. And uh, now you throw the tight end, the, the, you know, the two tight ends on the field at the same time. It's just hard to believe that that can happen. It can on occasion, but that's what we're looking at right now. We're, we're looking at a double play combination, you know, Tinker's Devers to chance, you know, Justin Fields to Garrett Wilson to Chris Olave. I don't know how you ever take both of those guys out of a well-designed pass play. And, uh, and it, there's nothing wrong with leaning on that. You know, I, don't, I think you agree with me. The only thing you have to worry yeah. about is when the weather gets inclement. But, you know, you've heard me say this before. Unless the wind is blowing extremely, there's no reason to not just keep throwing the football. And that's all you have to worry about in late November and December is maybe the wind coming up. But if it gets cold, who cares? Keep, keep, keep uh, airing it out. I think, too, Spencer, that's another example of, like, the way that this team is nitpicked because they are – so loaded with talent it's like oh man well where can you look because you already know what you're getting from Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave which is truly elite production and so statistically it's probably not ever going to look the same for Jeremy Ruckert although his numbers are up for the tight ends compared to previous years you know Jamison Williams caught that touchdown on Saturday night to you know validate some of what we've talked about and Tim has talked about with his speed and the ability to change things down the field um, you know, the same thing will be true. Julian Fleming might kick himself for a week or two because of that touchdown that got away and the chances might not always be there. But, you know, we look at him and Jackson Smith and Jigba and, and maybe G. Scott and Mookie Cooper coming on. It's not as if there isn't third options here and it'll rotate by week. It's just that the top two are so freaking good. Yeah, and if you look at this offense, Jeremy Record is open because Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are not open. Uh, Jameis Williams was open because either Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson, I can't remember which one it was, wasn't open. When you have to put so much attention on those guys, Chris Olave talked about it. If you want to bracket Garrett in the slot, Chris is going to be open. Well, if you try and take both of them away, somebody has to be open, whether it's a Jeremy Rucker uh, down the seam or Jameis Williams down the sideline, or even, you know, I've talked about it before. I think Trey Sermon still has value in this passing game, you know, as a check down route or something of that nature. Like this offense can do so many different things and the having Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave be as dominant as they are is going to be just as efficient as open as the run game opens up the pass game. You know, when you have two guys that you have to account for in the pass game, that opens up the pass game to other avenues, just as the running game would open up the pass game in general in the last few years that we've seen. 
And I think yeah. even the the pass game is even going to open up the run game even more as we go along the season. Yeah, you know what's amazing to me though, and it's around the country a little bit. I mean, just uh, the big time quarterbacks, the accuracy of of quarterbacks almost across the board. You know, not not everywhere. It's just amazing to me how it has grown in proficiency. But then, like we were talking about, just specifically about Ohio State, uh, Justin Fields to those guys, they're almost like long handoffs. I mean, just because of the accuracy involved. Yeah. You know, he has rarely just thrown a ball <laughs> that a guy, with the exception of Jackson Smith and Jigba, at the back of the end zone, and maybe Garrett Wilson on the sideline last week, which was another great catch, but where a guy just has to make a ridiculous catch. I mean, that's – that's what's really stood out about his passing thus far. Don't you agree, Boston? Yeah, I don't. I I just can't remember seeing anything like it. Um, and I'm I, I don't. I'm trying to make sure that that's not just even being a prisoner of the moment and, and leaning on the recency bias because we obviously covered Dwayne Haskins and he was on such a roll. Uh, he was so accurate two years ago and a perfect fit for this offense. Uh, and we're like, well, we've never seen this before in Ohio State history and. Uh, you know, the passing records he set, I don't think I could have ever imagined that the very next guy would be able to elevate and, and potentially surpass. Because you remember when Justin Fields arrived, you know, people at Georgia were like, oh, you know, he's more of a runner and he's, he's not that accurate. Uh, you know, he might make some throws, but he can't. Like, I don't know what Georgia saw. I don't understand how well, they let me, let me interrupt you. But you remember that first spring practice we are watching him, and I'm kind of thinking the same thing. Yeah. He wouldn't – he wasn't hot at all, you know, but go ahead. Yeah, he, you know, he wasn't. I remember that. And it's like, okay, well, maybe what they said had some validity and you kind of wondered. But even by the end of, you know, spring practice and he, the spring game wasn't great, but you saw, you know, maybe it was, it was a Benjamin Victor that caught the deep ball. And yeah. Like, oh, okay, well, that's something right there you're going to build off. And I, I think the way that Ryan Day handled it was, was perfect because it kept Justin Fields really motivated throughout that entire offseason. But – the point is, I, I, I just – it's hard for me to imagine any program seeing him and not understanding that potential for him. Because even yeah. if he had a, a bad first practice of spring where, like, he didn't maybe understand all the drills and they had that – you know, they, the touch one that they throw over the net, he didn't quite have that down. I mean, it, it is a tribute to Ryan Day and the way that he develops quarterbacks, but also that this guy is uh, a student of the game, a tireless worker, and he has gifts the likes – I don't think that I've ever seen. Yeah, I invite oh. people to go back and watch that podcast I had with his high school coach before the season started last year where he totally expected what you're seeing now, what you saw last year, to come to fruition. And because, uh, like you said, he's a guy who had been paying attention to him for a while. You know, like we only got glimpses. You know, we got those little Kodak moments, you know, and uh, and I, I, it has come to fruition just like he forecast. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Spence. Oh, no, I just wanted to add that, you know, we when Dwayne Haskins was here, and I wasn't around with you guys for that, but when Dwayne Haskins was here, it was one of those things where you couldn't find things to nitpick about him because he was so accurate with the football and he was a great passer. But then he got into the NFL draft process, and they're like, well, when he gets off his base, he's on the run, he's a little inaccurate, he, he has these mechanical flaws. I don't know what they're going to say about Justin Fields because he's accurate when he gets off his base. He doesn't really have a base because no matter how he throws, his arm angle, anything, it, it's still an accurate ball. You know, I just go back to these – the two most impressive throws I've seen are the two to Garrett Wilson when Garrett Wilson's on his, on his behind and Justin Fields is still putting it on his on the numbers. Like, like a catcher, that is yeah. as, 
That's as accurate as you can possibly be. A guy's sitting down, not even running anymore, and you're still just putting it on, putting it on a line. And then that frozen rope to, to Chris Olave for the touchdown was was out of this world. I just – I don't think we've seen anything like this at Ohio State. And I think it's a yeah. tribute to his work ethic, like you said, because we all saw four for 13 in that spring game, and we were all a little skeptical. I, I, I think I was. I think – Yeah. But maybe we were just prisoners of the moment in that case as well because – now, when you see him, it's it's like night and day, a completely different player from what we saw in that spring game. Yeah, and uh, the other thing quickly uh, about that is, you know, like part of my story is coming up this week is, last week when, when it was clear that Rutgers was disrupting things in the middle of that Ohio State offensive line, you know, you had, you know, uh, guards Harry Miller and Wyatt Davis and, and Josh Myers did not greet out champions this week. That's, that's what we're – they but Ohio State had it in their arsenal, their Rolodex, to pardon the pun, roll Justin Fields out of the pocket, and uh, and like we talked about after the game, he was as accurate there as he was standing in the pocket, and that's what this guy gives you, man. I mean, we're we're really, you know, too bad this is an abbreviated season uh, because we're really seeing possibly the greatest quarterback from a talent standpoint and everything else to ever play the position at Ohio State, and like I said, too bad we're only going to get an abbreviated version of it. Since Berm's not here, I'm going to take the buyer's auto practice report off the rails myself. And this is my conspiracy theory for the week. Josh Myers, Wyatt Davis, and Harry Miller were intentionally letting some pressure come up the middle so that Justin Fields could escape outside the pocket, show that mobility, the ability to roll out away from pressure, throw off base, throw from different arm angles. Because think about how many different NFL scouts you've seen on social media cutting up clips of the Rutgers game and seeing how well Justin Fields can feel the pressure up the middle and the ability to escape without being rattled in the poise. That was a Ryan Day game plan for Rutgers. Let him have it, and let's build that stock so that he can surpass Trevor Lawrence as the number one pick. That's my theory now. Austin, thanks for joining us after counting votes in Pennsylvania. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I think you might be on to something, Austin. Maybe Justin is – there's something on the – the the wrist yeah. thing that says, "Hey, uh, let the pressure in." I'm I'm gonna make a Sports Center play right now. But just let him stop. Like in like in uh, what was that uh, uh, the movie you know uh, with the uh, Burt Reynolds uh, the remake with uh, Adam Sandler? Uh, just let him come. I'll take care of him. You know, remember up the middle. <laughs> God, why can't you remember the name of the of the stupid movie? It's one of the great football movies of all time. Oh, the longest yard. Yeah, longest yard. Remember, he let the guy come up the middle. Yeah. He, he took care of him with pinpoint accuracy. Now, uh, yeah, I now mean, you guys are now you guys are on my side. Now we've lost. Now we're off the rails. Now it's a Wednesday practice report uh, off the off the rails. Brought to you by Byers Auto. Having fun with my guys Tim May and Spencer Holbrook. I am Austin Ward. A couple more days until Ohio State at Maryland. But full coverage for you as always at Letterman Row. Stay with us.